Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Major League Fantasy Baseball Radio Show here on Blog Talk Radio. I'll be your host today, Cole Friel, filling in for the normal Sunday host, Brian Roach. Um, today, on today's show, we'll be dealing with the injuries, specifically some of the injuries that happened between today and last Thursday's show. Uh, we'll talk about a couple bullpen situations. Uh, we'll also deal with some streamers uh, going into to the weekday series, specifically games that occur between uh, Monday and Thursday for the most part, uh, and then potentially uh, discussing some weekday series at the end. But as of right now, I'd like to uh, bring on my co-host for today's show. Um, my co-host is Joe Iannone. Uh Joe is a writer with us at Major League Fantasy Sports. Dot com. He specifically works on streaming pictures, so he should be a, a very interesting person to listen to when we get to that section specifically as well. So, uh, Joe, how are you doing today? And uh, anything you want to start us off with specifically? I'm doing good. I'm glad. Thanks for having me on, and uh, happy Easter. I, I pretty much laid low today uh, getting ready for the show and uh, writing my article and stuff, so it wasn't a very um, exciting holiday or anything, but. The good thing is I had a bunch of yard work to do, but since it rained, I got out of it. Sounds good. Um, well, before we get started with today's show, I'd like to remind our audience about our partner, uh, Thrive Fantasy Sports. Thrive Fantasy offers a, a different kind of model for the daily fantasy sports game, uh, the traditional method being the salary cap method. Thrive Fantasy offers prop bets instead. You can go to thrivefantasy.com or majorleaguefantasysports.com and find the Thrive link. And if you put in the promo code MLFS, they will match your first $10. Uh, that's promo code MLFS. Um, we are also seeking members for our 2019 football leagues. Uh, these are competitive leagues, so, so we look early to find the right matches for these leagues. Email Corey D. Roberts at MajorLeagueFantasySports at gmail.com. That is MajorLeagueFantasySports at gmail.com if you are interested. And also, if you like the work we do on the show, um, go to Patreon.com slash MajorLeagueFantasySports. That's Patreon.com slash MajorLeagueFantasySports. And you can contribute uh, to the work we do either on the show uh, or through our website through writing. So, so for today's show, we will... We'll start with injuries, and, and actually for today, we will actually start with a caller. Uh, our caller comes to us from, from it's Pat from Little Rock, and, and I believe she has a question that, that pertains to the beginning of our show, which is these injuries. Yes, uh, go I, ahead, Pat. Yeah. Hi. I do have a question. How long do you think Aaron uh, Judge will be out? I didn't Thanks, think we went uh, all the way to Little Rock. Uh, That's pretty cool. Well, so, you know, well, so from what um, I hear, um, go ahead. Let me go. go from from what I hear, about four to six weeks. Um, 
But I, with an oblique, you never know. It could go either way. Um, it's kind of funny because, well, I don't know. When I, when I was younger and first watching baseball, we never heard of an oblique. So all of a sudden now everybody tweaks their oblique at some point during the season. Um, but, yeah, they can be long injuries. Um, hopefully not. But there's so many Yankees on the DL now that um, it's starting to get worrisome. But I figured as long as they had who they had on the field, they were going to be okay. But then Judge goes down, and that, that one I don't know if they can recover from. That's going to be tough. They lost him for a good stretch yeah. last year, and they, they, they tanked. Yeah, so the oblique uh, – and usually these oblique injuries happen like Judge's oblique injury happened uh, when you're going through the process of a swing. Um, I think it might have even happened. I saw some people showing uh, videos of him, him grimacing during his home run trot uh, before he, he took out – or, excuse me, be, before he was taken out of the game uh, a little bit later – um, it is the opposite side of his handedness, uh, which which is something that is typically, I believe, is typically worse uh, for a hitter. Um, Judge's right hand, and it's his left oblique, but I also believe it's m- most typical because of uh, the way you, you have pressure in that area when you swing. That's what an oblique injury really is. It's a, it's a swinging injury. Uh, a lot of injuries happen a lot of different ways, but, but that's what an oblique injury seems to be uh, the vast majority of the time. You see someone tweak an oblique when they're swinging, and having a tweaked oblique uh, can, can you know, mess with their swing. Um, so four to six weeks I do think it is a favorable timetable right now. I would say it's closer to the six side, uh, especially because a, a player who is young and talented, uh, like judges, what you don't want to do is you don't want to rush him back. Um, and the specific thing that I think some people worry about with the oblique is that you compensate uh, for the injury by doing something a little different uh, in your swing. And, and if judge gets used to that the way he's compensating that because that could cause something else uh, to go wrong, something else uh, to get injured uh, further down the line. Um, as far as other injuries that have happened since Thursday, um, as far as other injuries that have happened since Thursday, Austin Meadows, uh, I think, is the other big name one, maybe up there with Starling Marte. Um, Meadows goes on the injured list with a thumb injury, um, similar to the way we're talking about um, Oblique being a hitting injury, uh, a thumb injury is, is really a, a hitting injury as well. You know, the, the thumb really affects, obviously, your grip, uh, which seems obvious to say, but uh, next to, to the wrist and the shoulder, to me, it is one of um, the worst injuries for a hitter because you don't want them to have any problem with the way that they are gripping the bat. So so that could be something uh, that sticks with Meadows. Uh, Matt Schumacher, uh, he is listed on this document as being on the 10-day injured list. I believe he was just recently confirmed with a torn UCL, uh, so that most likely means Tommy John surgery, and uh, if not, a long rehab assignment. So Matt Shoemaker was off to a a good start with his new Toronto career, but it it seems at least for 2019 that that has a real uh, possibility of being at an end. And then uh, Starling Marte, I believe, also hit the DL, with with an injury uh, uh, of some sort, uh, let me look that up real quick. But uh, it's a quad. Anything it's to a quad. add? Or it's a quad. Okay, that's why I yep. thought. I wanted to double check because it's not on this sheet. So, so anything to add to any of these injuries or or the situations that they create for these teams, Joe? Well, as far as Marte goes, he ran into a wall, and I guess he has a few injuries from that. I don't know how serious they all are, but a quad in, a quad bruise, 
and an abdominal strain. Um, so who knows? Um, he's he's off to a great start too. That that's really upsetting about Meadows because Meadows was really off to a great start, and last year he wasn't quite as exciting as we thought he was going to be. Well, this year he is, and now all of a sudden he's you know breaks hurts his thumb. What what? How did it happen anyway? I didn't see that one. Was he sliding head first into a bag, or did he do it swinging? Uh, the thumb is a sprain of some sort, so I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I, I also missed that one. I just saw the, the news that he was heading uh, for the injured list. Okay. I just um, – these guys who slide head first, I know it's the trend, but I, I cringe every time someone does it. We've lost so many players the last three years or so to um, broken fingers from sliding head first into bags, and it's frustrating as heck. You know, anytime I see a player go out there and he's not wearing uh, the the glove, you know, the the protective mitt on their hand, it just drives me crazy. Especially the guys who don't even wear gloves of any kind. You just see them diving headfirst into bases with, with you know their five spread out fingers on their bare hands. Uh, you know, I mean, not to say that some players are smarter, but I do think it's fairly smart too. And, and you see players like Mike Trout wear. Uh, these protective gloves every time uh, they're on base because you, because you're allowed to, and it, and it helps protect you from these finger injuries. Um, but, but that's certainly something uh, that I think, is I think a regular slide uh, would stop your fingers from getting broken too. Instead of sliding is, is first. There, you know, in, in the case of Starling Marte, um, I don't know if there's anybody that we're expecting to come up and take the time uh, that in the outfield has already dealt with a lot of injuries and is already waiting for, for some players to come back. Uh, you know, the, the real interesting person to talk about for the Pirates would actually be uh, Cole Tucker, but, but that's not necessarily uh, a connection to this case. Um, also, the Toronto Blue Jays aren't necessarily likely to, you know, bring up or bring in anybody of particular interest, uh, to my knowledge, to replace Matt Shoemaker. Uh, so that's more of just a, you know, another player that goes into the potential streaming pool uh, depending on who it is and how they do. Um, but the Austin well, Shoemaker, Shoemaker, uh, Shoemaker bothered me a lot too. Shoemaker bothered me a lot also because he, I used him in my first three articles, I believe, because he was pitching lights out. And again, he's another guy who's, you know, later in his career, all of a sudden maybe putting it together, like, um, you know, getting back to where he was maybe four years ago, um, three years ago, whenever that was. Um, but then he goes and gets hurt, and that, that type of injury is bad. I, I was reading about it just now while you were talking, and they are saying he's out for the year now. He's got a, a torn um, – I forgot the name of it. UCL, right? right? behind your kneecap. Yeah, he got a torn, torn UCL. So he's done for the year. Um, okay. But, yeah, so hey, – Hey, before we go before I go any further, I want to, she's probably off the phone by now, but I wanted to thank our caller for calling in. We don't get too many of them. That was a good one. That yeah, helped me answer your um, question. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean that was the first one that I've that I've ever had and, and put on the show, so so that was a, a fun thing. And, and yeah, th- thanks for that, and thanks for listening. Um, and then back to you, Joe, in terms of these injury situations, uh, I think the one situation uh, that you can possibly get some playing time uh, from is is the Austin Meadows one, right? So is, is there any outfielder, you know? Avesel Garcia, I think we'll, we'll see maybe more consistent playing time. Um, but but is there anybody that that sparks your interest or that you think could spark your interest uh, getting some some playing time in, in place of Austin Meadows? I honestly didn't look hard enough at that. I honestly didn't. Um, I was so busy concentrating on pitchers this weekend that um I didn't get to look too too into the rosters you know, depth of rosters on a team like that. 
No, I can tell you more no, about the Yankees. I, <laughs> well, I, I think you know it, it's most likely going to be more like a, a short-term injury from now on. So I don't think there's going to be any kind of long-term solutions. Maybe some of these, you know, the Rays are a team that it's historically, I know this is going back to some Madden stuff, but, but like to move some guys around. So, you know, maybe it makes makes more room for like the, the Brandon Lowe, uh, Joey Wendell situation or something like that. I mean, you know, you have Kevin Kiermaier in center field. And so as long as he stays healthy, you already have such good defense in the outfield that maybe you can, you know, get something to uh, move around it. Um, but I'll move on to some, some bullpen situations. Um, I'll, I'll cover myself this Mariners and Red Sox situation first. Uh, just give out some of some of the basics uh, of what's going on with these situations. So, in the Seattle Mariners case, uh, the bullpen started out actually with uh, some fairly fairly strong beginnings. If you include the two games uh, in Tokyo, obviously with Strickland having back-to-back uh, saves, but he hits the injured list after blowing a save, and ever since then it has been uh, a little bit of a mess. But now we have two guys who have kind of settled uh, at the back end. Um, they both have sub-three ERAs, and it, and it is Rowanus Elias uh, and Anthony Swarzak. Now, Elias is not a strikeout guy. His strikeout rate uh, is fairly low, but at this point he, he does outrank Swarzak in terms of saves, uh, four to three. Um, and, and because Swarzak's strikeout rate is so high, I think if they, you know, if they get Swarzak to be the guy that they want him to be, I think they see him as someone that is more likely to be capable of being a fireman. You know, uh, one of the advantages of, of the typical closer role is that you get to start a clean inning. And if you start a clean inning, all you have to care about is getting three outs before you give up any of those runs. Um, well, in, in, in Swarzak's case, uh, if you can use him in situations where men are already on base more often, that's when those strikeouts or that, that ability to get the strikeout uh, can really be uh, at least a bigger difference maker. So, you know, I, I do see them potentially going with Elias in some situations. Uh, Swarzak in some situations seems more of a, a messy committee bullpen. Um, Swarzak is probably still the one, despite some of the trends in the saves, the one I'm investing in, just because he's going to get me saves and strikeouts. And I have a little bit more faith still right now uh, in his ability to maintain the uh, solid ratios. And then the Boston Red Sox, um, this bullpen has also been a little bit of back and forth, but despite what what may seem a little, you know, surprising, Matt Barnes to this date now has only one save, and uh, including today, Ryan Brazier had his sixth. So uh, that number is obviously a little bit more lopsided uh, than the Mariners' figure. Uh, Brazier uh, now with six saves got got the one today in a game where. Uh, Matt Barnes, I believe, gave up uh, a run uh, to tie the game in in the eighth inning. So it does seem like uh, Brazier ha- has a bit of a leg up in the competition. However, it is a little bit of the same thing to where um, it seems like it, it's more from a, a point of they like using Matt Barnes in different roles because, uh, you know, in, in the same context, Matt Barnes is currently at 19 strikeouts in his in his nine and one third inning. And, uh, Ryan Brazier only has 11 in his 11 one third. So uh, Matt Barnes is obviously the guy that can get a lot more strikeouts. Uh, I think they like to bring him in against tough hitters and tough situations uh, when men are on base. So that does seem to lean to the idea of a committee. 
But uh, in, in this case, especially when Roanis Elias gets a, a very small amount of strikeouts, and I, I worry about him in the position. Uh, Brazier can strike out about a batter in inning, and I think he can keep this closer role. So I'm a fan of, of Brazier, I think, at the back end of the Boston Red Sox bullpen. But, but both of them I see as, as more or less committee situations or at least situations that are, are less firm and, and have a little bit of variability. If you're in a deeper league that, that has saves uh, as opposed to any of the other categories and it's just like a five-category saves league, I think maybe every single one of these four uh, relief pitchers needs to be owned. Um, Joe, do you have any, any, any thoughts on either of these bullpens uh, of Seattle or Boston? Well, I think um... – the most interesting piece of all this is that Craig Kimbrell is still a free agent. And any, any one of these teams that are still in contention, or I think they're going to be in contention, could, could easily use him. Even the Mets are talking about signing him, which doesn't make any sense to me. But um, I, I think Kimbrell being out there is a wild card, and I don't know why the Boston Red Sox haven't and, and ponied up and, and signed him by now. Um, but as far as the injuries go, I, I think you, you nailed it pretty good. Um, the... Uh, Hold on a second. Sorry, I'm having phone trouble. But I don't don't think – I think in the Seattle situation, um, I see Elias – there's a lot of these guys out there now. They used to be starting pitchers. They didn't quite cut it as a starter, and now all of a sudden they're in the bullpen. And by attrition, they end up in closer roles. Like, you know, Kansas City has that kind of situation. Um, It's been done before. There's guys like – there's a few guys out there who started as 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 starters and then became good closers, but for the most part, I think I think a guy like Roanis Elias is just going to always be a, a long reliever now. So I think Schwarzenegger's going to take that job and run with it um, as long as he's healed and all that. But it seems like it seems like he is. They already gave him the ball the first time he was out there for a save. Um, and I think on the Braves, I think AJ Minter is going to be the beneficiary of that injury. Or even if he doesn't get hurt, I thought he was going to take over anyway. I didn't see. Um, just kind of holding that job. And then there's the Phillies, which that, that one bothers me because I like David Robertson and uh, I was high on him at the beginning of this year as their closer. And then he get, got hurt. So another, another injury thrown, throwing me off. Um, but I, I still think Craig Kimbrell is the big wild card out there. And I don't understand why he hasn't been signed yet. I mean, I do understand why, but it's crazy that he's not. Yeah, so you know, we, you, t- you mentioned the Braves situation. Um, Roy Desvisciano, uh, I talked about it a little bit with Kyle on the Thursday show, but out for the season uh, with a shoulder injury. Um, so it seems like Minter is the one to step up. Now, I do think there's some some traditional knowledge, uh, or at least traditional logic in my mind, um, that says there's somebody else that's going to close games, uh, either in situations that are, are righty heavy. Or just in general, mentor being a young uh, a young relief pitcher, um, but I don't know who that is in the Braves pen. You know, I mean, you mentioned David Robertson uh, when it comes to the Phillies. You know, I think right now Hector Neris has has probably the the biggest step up on the job. Yeah, they have so many of these guys behind Neris that you think can step up and take the job. They have these guys like Robertson um, that you know to date. They might not have been been performing as well as we expected them to, but but they still have the names and and the potential for upside. You know, uh, in in the Atlanta situation, 
even the guys like Darren O'Day that they came into the season with uh, are are on the injured list. Um, and, and so it really just comes down to, to A.J. Minter. I, I don't know really anybody else behind them that I believe could step up and take that role. So, you know, unless you do get that, you know, more and more increasingly likely uh, return of Kimbrell to his former Atlanta Braves, uh, I don't, I don't know uh, where else we would get that. Uh, where else we would get the saves from, unless someone really uh, comes out of nowhere. Because you know the, this Braves bullpen has been uh, pretty bad so far to start the season. Uh, any other closers or I'm, bullpen I'm, situations? Unless they, unless they, unless they were to sign someone like Kimbrel, I think AJ Minter is it's his job to lose now. Um, they have a couple of guys who have been around a while, like Jesse Biddle, but they've never been closers themselves, so I, I don't see how they would have any edge over Minter, um, just by experience. But uh, I think it's I, you know preseason when I had to do the uh, I did a lot of rankings on relievers and um, wrote about uh, ADP gems, and AJ Minter was one of mine in every article I, I've been I've been uh, ready for him all year. So I think it was a matter of time even before this Kano got hurt. Um, yeah, he, he certainly seems like the clear option uh, uh, at this point. Um, do you have any other I think I do. A, I do a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to say something else about relievers. As we're as we're looking at, and you just mentioned this a few minutes ago, is that teams are starting to load up, and there's a lot of teams that have a closer, an ex closer, a guy who used to be a closer. There's um, you know, maybe three guys on the team who have over a hundred, you know, close to a hundred saves in their career, but aren't necessarily the closer now, and. I think as they do that more and more, I think you're going to see more and more teams just go to a committee approach. They're not going to have that one closer necessarily every time. Um, obviously, some teams, like if you own um, J- Jansen or uh, Chapman, they're going to be your closer. That's no, no doubt. But a lot of these teams, are if, if you don't have a clear-cut, top-of-the-line, top-five guy there, you're going to have a committee. And I, I like that. I think – I know our, our, our leagues are doing it, but um, I think – fantasy baseball teams should start to also treat the, the position the same way. If you want to have relievers be important, you need to lessen the importance of the save and increase the importance of some other categories that, that they contribute to, uh, like holds and uh, inherited runners and that type of thing. But um, as long as the major leagues are going to do that, I think we should do that too. Otherwise, we're chasing saves for nothing, which we used to do anyway, but now it's even worse. That's yeah, all I had to say it's on interesting. That. Yeah, it's interesting to try to figure out how uh, to do these bullpen rolls, right? And obviously, we aren't making the decisions, but even from the from the theoretical standpoint, because I think so many people have taken uh, this standpoint, especially coming from the analytic side of things, uh, uh, that it doesn't matter when you get the outs, especially when you get late to the game, that it's always better. Uh, to get, get your best guy and put them up against uh, uh, their best guys or, or in the situation that has the highest leverage or, or win probability difference or, or all of these other things. Um, but I do think at the same time there is something to be said about uh, a little bit of a human element when it comes to the routines of, of these relief pitcher roles, right? Uh, I think there's something to be said about a guy who knows, you know, I, I'm the guy who finishes the game. I know when a situation is coming up um, that I'm likely to be coming into the game. He, he knows what these look like. You know, I, I just think it adds 
not necessarily to everyone, but but you hear about certain players. Corey Kluber is one that I hear about being uh, extremely uh, routine-oriented, and and certain players I think are that way. Um, So I think those kind of guys – uh, I think there's an. I do think there is an added benefit to certain players uh, in certain situations uh, of giving them the consistency um, of this closer role of consistently pitching in the ninth. Um, but I think I think where we're going, and I think where we should be going, is the modern idea that you know maybe 25 of the 30 teams have a pretty clear cut closer, but we're not really stupid about using that closer to where we just absolutely refuse to use him in situations that aren't the ninth inning. Not necessarily that we're going out of our way to calculate win probabilities and putting him in the most leverage position, but if a certain rare leverage position comes up, even as early as, you know, two outs in the seventh inning, you say, you know, this is the one that we need you for today it's a rare day you are usually the ninth inning guy but but this is a big one um do you have any do you have any thoughts about about that in terms of where you where you think the role is going i mean i know you just you just started with that but you know anything else right well yeah i i um i i think that more and more teams are going to go that way and it's going to be a lot more than just 25 teams with the closer is going to be i mean a lot less is what i'm saying maybe half of them um with permanent closers. Um, I, I think it's just going that way. You know, we've, we've had um, default committees in the past where the main closer gets hurt, so they're not sure who's going to take over, so they call it a bullpen by committee. But I think now it's becoming more purposeful. They're, they're, they're planning the, bet, the bullpen the way you just described, which was, which was spot on as far as your best picture coming in when the bases are loaded or when, when uh, you know, the best, the best hitters are up, whatever, whatever inning that may be. Um, and, I think they're going to – they need players who care less about stats. Like, you have to not care about saves if you're going to pitch in a bullpen like that. Um, if you have to be the man, if you have to be the guy, then you need to go to a team that's going to make you the guy. Um, but I think a lot of these managers are looking for uh, more flexible, more um, more durable relievers. And I don't blame them. I think that's the right way to go. Or do like the Yankees and load up on a million relievers that have lots of experience and cost lots of money. But actually, that's, that's that team's uh, – Achilles heel right now. The, the bullpen's killing him. So you never know. You never know what's going to happen with that. Um, I just don't want to play in leagues anymore where, where I have to draft closers in the top 10 rounds or 12 rounds to compete and look for closers all year. Just not going to do it. Yeah, so um, we'll uh, continue with the show on to the next section, which is the streamers. Um, now, as as I mentioned when, when I brought him on, uh, Joe does our, our streaming section, our, our streaming article uh, for MajorLeagueFantasySports.com. Um, so we'll, we'll get into it going into the games that are tomorrow, uh, Monday, a- April 22nd. Um, now, this is this is a bit of a, or at least it was for me, a bit of a harder day to look for uh, some streamers for. You know, we, we, we have a lot of uh, off days uh, and then obviously, you know, with those off days, you you have guys that you're never going to be able uh, to put into the streamer class or uh, are are too high owned necessarily uh, to put into this category. But uh, uh, anybody uh, really stick out for you for uh, for April 22nd, Joe? Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't do it by date. Um, so what's that oh, Monday? Well, that's fine. That's all right. I'm, yeah, that's let fine. me see what I have for Monday. Hold on. Um, 
I apologize. I was not thinking about days of the week. Uh, let's see. Here's I'm really sorry you threw me off. Um, okay, here we go. No, no you're good. Well, why not, just, why this, you... this, 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 I got one. This is not going to be a popular pick necessarily, but I wrote them up. This is a, I've had them in my article for a few weeks now, but um, oh, actually, see, I, I, I'm dead wrong. One of my one just, of my two star picks. Just do whatever order is, you have, or just give me a couple of them. Uh, I, I'm I'm doing it. Um, I had Jeremy Hellickson because he's got a good start next Sunday against San Diego, and uh, that was the one I was keying on. But I I do realize I'm not recommending him for the Monday start, which is at Colorado. So that that I shouldn't have even brought up. But um, so I do have him. I have I'm high on him for Sunday, but not for Monday. Um. He's one of those guys where you're never going to roster him. No one's ever going to roster uh, Jeremy Hellickson. But if you pick the right matchup, he's going to give you strikeouts and he's going to keep your ratios in check. If you pick the wrong matchup, though, he's the guy who's going to blow him up. He's going to blow up your team. Um, so you got to be careful where you put him. That's why I would not throw him out there, obviously, in Colorado, which I don't think anybody would. Um, but San Diego is going to be a – it should be a good matchup right there. Uh, San Diego is one of the worst teams in baseball right now against right-handers. Um, both on the road and at home. And uh, as far as the way they're hitting this year so far. The one I'm the most high on this week, though, is Clay Buckholtz. Um, another guy who's kind of rejuvenated his career. And um, Toronto's kind of good at, at um, having guys rebuild their career up there. But um I got him against San Francisco on Wednesday. San Francisco is another really horrible team against righties, um, especially on the road. So I like Buck Holds in that in that spot right there. He's got a 338 ERA after two starts, only two starts, of course, but he had a good year last year too before he got hurt. So I think I think another pitcher who in the late part of his career has found himself. Hopefully it continues, but I'm not saying he's going to be like the Patrick Corbin of 2019, but um, there's a good chance he'll, he'll be at least usable as a, as a uh, spot starter. And I think this week's one of those weeks. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when it comes to Clay Buckholz, it's not necessarily about um, if he can get to another level, or, or at least at least for this week. For this week that we're talking about, this is a matchup against San Francisco Giants. You know, I mean, you mentioned them not being – uh, very good against right-handers, but I mean, just in general, when you look at this lineup, it, it is so, you know, devoid uh, of names uh, that would strike fear into, into a pitcher. Um, and, and what Clay Buckholt brings to the table is, you know, maybe he doesn't have the best stuff in the world, but he but he's a professional and he knows how to get people out. Um, and and where that can go wrong from sometimes is when he leaves the ball, you know, over the plate and makes mistakes. But you know, at the end of the day. The San Francisco Giants might not even have the kind of hitters um, that can avoid you, uh, you know, not making mistakes because because they don't just have that much talent overall from from top to bottom in that that lineup coming into the season. I believe Madison Bumgarner ha- had more uh, home runs in his career uh, than the summation of, of their entire outfield uh, on opening day. So I mean, I even like Trent Thornton. Uh, on the day before, on the Tuesday start, you know, uh, he got blown up a couple starts ago, uh, the start before his Minnesota start, which was okay. But uh, there are some rumors that uh, he was tipping pitches. At least I, I saw that or, or at least heard that brought, 
brought up in the uh, in the Toronto broadcast on his start after that. So if you get rid of that start or at least put up some of the, the runs that he gave up to the, the idea that he might have been tipping pitches, his year as a whole looks a whole lot better. Um, he, he is giving up some pretty high exit velocities, but he's also missing bats. So, so that makes him kind of an, an interesting guy for me. Um, I think I know how you feel about uh, this guy, but um, how, how, how about Pablo Lopez uh, in Cleveland on, on Tuesday? Uh, do you like that one, Joe? Pablo Lopez, um, yeah. Um, I like him on Sunday also in Philadelphia, but not as much. He's another two-star pitcher who has one great and one not-so-great matchup. Um, but Miami, um, I mean, I'm sorry, the Indians are hitting 262 for Woba. And 210 against righties at home. 210 batting average against righties at home. It's one of the worst marks in baseball also. And I look at two things with these things. It's not, it's not just a pitcher. Who's having a good year? Who's, who's pitching good? It's also how, how bad is this team hitting? And sometimes the matchup dictates, dictates the spot start, not as much the, the arm that's on the guy. Um, so, and this is one of those cases where I think um, the Indians are a perfect team to, to pitch to um, that day, and he's the one who's got it. So. Um, but I think you might want to bench him um, at the end of the week. The Phils are hitting 344, Woba, and 239 betting average at home versus Reddies. So if the, if you have one of those leagues where you have to do weekly pickups, you might be stuck with them. But um, if you had a choice, I would sit him down for Sunday. Um, do you feel the same way about Alcantara starting against uh, the Indians uh, the day after and on Wednesday? I uh, don't know enough about that one right there, to be honest with you. Alcantara. Okay. No, no, you're good. Um, you know, I think I think the thing about the Cleveland Indians uh, that I think is the most worth bringing up is that you have Francisco Lindor obviously coming back to the lineup. So, so he hasn't been there uh, so far. Um, but at the same time, you know, having Francisco Lindor doesn't change the fact that they have been playing – you know, Tyler Naquin, Greg Allen, uh, Carlos Gonzalez, um, just a really, you know, who's who of no one's from the outfield. Um, it just went from one superstar who who is really struggling and a bunch of other players to, you know, two superstars, one coming off of an injury and, and one who's still uh, struggling a fair amount. So, you know, it's definitely a lineup that, that, in my opinion, is still worth streaming against. It's a lineup that I think could potentially be worth streaming against all year now. You know, if Lindor and, and Jose Ramirez get back to where they were uh, last year, it, it might get scary just because the two of them alone can do so much damage to you, and they're both switch hitters, which makes them, you know, hard to kind of plan against. But But as of right now, uh, I think I think that Cleveland is a team that you can – uh, you can definitely figure out how to stream against. Uh, do you got? Do you got any other matchups for for these weekends or weekday series rather? Yeah, um, there's one guy that probably no one heard of really that I'm pretty high on for next week. He's also a two star pitcher, um, Eric Swanson on the on the Mariners. He's about 20% owned in fan tracks. I think it's even lower in uh, in ESPN, but he's at San Diego on Tuesday. I already mentioned how bad San Diego is against the right-handed pitchers. Um, and then he gets the Texas Rangers on Sunday. Um, the Padres, 
I think are dead last in the major leagues with a 269 Woba against righties at home. 269, that's a Woba. And then uh, 216 batting average. Um, last year, for the whole season, they hit a 292 Woba against righties. So it, this is not uh, much different than that, even though they added a few bets. Um, Texas is hitting a lot better, actually. Uh, they're hitting 334 Woba against righties away. So this might be another one of those guys where you start them for the first game and maybe uh, make a choice on Sunday as, as to whether they might go forward or not. But um, if he's on my roster, I need to start off by running him out there. But as long as he pitches it on the first game. Um, there, there's a this time of year when there's not a lot on the waiver wire. Um, I think you mentioned that earlier, too. It's hard to find pitchers today. But um, when it gets this way, and it's kind of in between. We have a lot of guys getting hurt, and there's guys coming up to replace them. But it hasn't, it hasn't. Um, how can I put it? it? Hasn't been going on long enough to have a really good database to go by. Uh, so it, there are probably some young guys out there who just haven't made a name for themselves yet who are going to become better. But if you're trying to pick spot starts for this week, in, in a week like this, I went with veterans, and there's some really good ones out there, or pitchers that had great careers anyway. And this week, all of a sudden, they just, just you know because uh, perfect storm, they all had really good matchups. Um, I'm talking about guys like CC Sabathia. And we don't have to get too into detail about how, who these guys are because we all know them, but um, Sabathia is 45% owned in Fantrex. Um, he's pitching against the Angels. Um, he's a lefty in California, which is um, one of the uh, Angels' Achilles heels, so that's a good start. Not just because not just because of CC Sabathia, but because of his opponent. He's actually saving the Yanks right now, though, because uh, with Severino down, uh, Sabathia came back from the DL. He's the, he was the first one of the 2,000 Yankees that are on the DL that came back. And uh, he's been pitching lights out so far. Again, only in five innings. But Another one of those uh, old-timers who um, could probably help you this week is Felix Hernandez. It's so sad, though, that Felix Hernandez is now a spot starter. Two or three years ago, we were talking about him in the Cy Young conversation every year, and now, he, now he's reduced to nothing. Just about. He's got San Diego Wednesday. We already talked about San Diego um, I'd throw almost anybody out there right now, and uh, why not Felix Hernandez? Another one is, uh, you're not going to believe this one, but this is one of those guys that I've been a fan of all my life, and I've put him on way too many fantasy teams, but Homer Bailey. Homer Bailey is suddenly reinventing himself in Kansas City, and he gets Tampa Bay on Tuesday. Um, I think there's one more, uh, one more old-timer. Oh, Jeff Samarja on the Giants. Uh, there's two more, actually. Jeff Samarja on the Giants has Toronto on Tuesday. Um, Samarja's having a great year so far by his standards. Again, he's not one of those guys that was not getting enough innings. Um, I think he finally hit six innings in his last start, but he was barely barely able to get five before that, so that's not a good thing. But, um, the last one is Lance Lynn. Um, this was hard to believe. I was looking at Lance Lynn's record. He has 84 wins in the majors after seven seasons. It wasn't too long ago. He was winning 18 games, 16 games a year. And um, now he can barely find a job, it seems like, in the offseason. But this week he's got two really good matchups. He's got Oakland on Tuesday and Seattle on Sunday. Uh, the A's are hitting horribly against uh, against uh, righties at home. 253, Woba. It's, it's small sample size, obviously. But they're only betting 192. And then he gets the Mariners, who are – this is bad. 278 Wilbur versus righties at home. And uh, in his last three starts, Lynn's only given up five runs. 
five earned runs in 19 innings. So I'm not saying he's reborn again, but I'm saying for this week, grab him. He's got two great starts out there. Yeah, I, I like it. Um, you know, one player I think that particularly sparks my interest in the list of names, and it's weird because you, know, you mentioned you've been a fan of him for, for a number of years, and, and I've been a fan uh, of him, too, going back to when he was first getting his contract and ended up being horrible, and that's Homer Bailey. Um, you know, when Homer Bailey, before he had all the injuries, I, I was a pretty big fan of, of Homer Bailey. I, I liked his, his repertoire, his pitch mix, what he did. He, he threw a lot of different things, curveball, splitter. Um, I think what's really interesting is he's throwing his splitter this year specifically, um, not just like a lot, but uh, a good amount more than he ever has in his career, uh, and it's getting a lot of swing and misses. Um, you know, me and Kyle have talked about before um, the split finger pitch, and he's explained um, to me that it takes a big guy uh, to throw a, a split finger fast. And Homer Bailey does seem to be a, a relatively big figure out there on the mound. So if he can keep his, his high split finger usage um, up, I, I think he, he has a chance uh, of, you know, not necessarily sustaining something that's way high quality uh, in the way that you would expect upside from like, you know, a Jack Flaherty type pitcher or, or something like that. But uh, the the comparison that, that I made today um is this year's Anibal Sanchez. You know, last year Anibal Sanchez made, made a little bit of a pitch mix uh, change, and, you know, he, he didn't necessarily light the world on fire. Some people probably don't even realize how good he was last year. Um, but he went from being a guy who, who gave up home runs that turned into a pitching machine giving up uh, a lot of home runs to, to a guy who was a very solid starter throughout the entire season. And, and I think, you know, Maybe he won't be able to stay healthy, but as long as Homer Bailey is healthy, I, I think the the addition of this splitter and, and using it at least uh, a good deal more uh, has a potential to to send Homer Bailey uh, to the next level. Um, have you been able, or excuse me, um, and then Felix Hernandez um, is another one you mentioned. Um, Hernandez and Wainwright. Uh, specifically are our two pitchers that have struggled a good deal. Like, I, I think Bailey is younger than them. Um, maybe that's wrong, and it's more of just a how much we've, we've seen them because of the fact that, you know, Hernandez and Wainwright are a bit different. They, they I think their peaks, most people would agree, were, were higher than Homer Bailey's, um, and, and we've been disappointed with them for so long. But, you know, I've seen both of them pitch a little bit this year, and at times, they do show us some signs that they could get back to where they were before, and, and I think that's that's interesting. That's something to look forward to. Um, and you know, I, I don't necessarily know if they're going to be able to follow that CC Sabathia route, who, who I agree with you has a good start this week. But it, it's nice to see them being able to move uh, in in that direction. Um, I'm I'm curious. Have you? Uh, I don't know if I heard. I don't think I heard you say this name, but ha, have you seen Frankie Montas pitch this year, or or is that someone that you you've uh, added to to any streamer list uh, this year? No, I, I haven't. I haven't seen him yet. He's on the he's on the A's, right? Yeah, yeah, he's on the A's. Um, yeah, he's a pitcher that I've been trying to 
cover more and more uh, in these shows. You know, um, this isn't necessarily a start that I particularly like for him because um, he's a righty, uh, and, and his new pitch, the splitter, is supposed to help him with lefties, but but it is his new pitch, uh, and his fastball slider is what really works for him. Um, you know, obviously on, on on the Rangers, you have Gallo and, and Mazzara and Chu uh, filling up part of the, the top of that lineup. But I do think this is a guy that, that for me, moving forward, uh, I'm looking for uh, in, in more and more season-long leagues is someone I think that has a good amount of upside. You know, even this matchup, while I do uh, have some fears about these, these Texas lefties uh, really getting a hold of some of Montas's pitches, um, the Oakland Coliseum is a really good, you know, place to pitch in. Um, his offense is pretty solid. Um, so if he, he does happen to, to get a potential of run support, I think uh, Montas could be someone who's uh, fairly interesting. Uh, the reason, in, the reason uh, I wouldn't in, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. I thought you were done. Um, the reason I didn't write about him or talk about him is that, um, I look at guys who are under 50% owned and Montas is actually 75% owned. So he's not going to be sitting on too many waiver wires. Um, so I haven't studied him this year. I, I, you know, I understand why he's that well owned though, but um, I'm not sure about the matchup in that case. Right. But, uh, or, well, so do you have um, anything else to add on, on, on any, uh, uh, on the streamer category in general? Yeah. Here's a couple of names that, um, you might be able to sneak past your uh, fellow owners. Uh, Jared Eikhoff just came off the disabled list in Philadelphia about a week ago. And um, he has a great matchup. He's got the Miami Marlins um, who are hitting about I, – I can't find my, uh, my my printout right now, but he's hitting about – they're hitting about 220 Woba. A 220 Woba is almost unheard of, and they've got almost over 200 uh, plate appearances to build that number up so far. It's not, it's not a complete fluke. But um, that's by far the worst, the worst hitting um, of, of any team against any side-handed pitcher, um, whether it's home or away. It's just the, the absolute lowest woba out there. And Eikhoff, I usually don't uh, use pitchers right when they get off the disabled list because of the rust. But he actually pitched four really good innings the other day. Uh, I think I don't think he gave up any runs at all. And um, this week they'll probably let him go five or six. Um, and he's got the easiest matchup out there. Not that, any, not that anything in the majors is easy, but he's got the best matchup out there. So I, I wanted to mention him also. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought up Eikhoff. Uh, I think he, he's a really interesting uh, guy to make people aware of because, you know, obviously a lot of people had a lot of faith in, in Nick Pivita, and Pivita has now been optioned to two AAA. So um, that opens up the spot. And, and these pitchers that weren't as highly drafted as Pivita um, like Eikhoff and Eflin are stepping into, you know, fairly good positions in the National League uh, to be able to play up. Now, more recently, we, they've actually had a, a run of starts um, against, you know, teams like Colorado or in Colorado, um, and and their home ballpark is, is no picnic for pitchers uh, either with, with giving up one of the highest home run rates um, in, in the National League. Um but yeah, I, I definitely think Eikhoff, you know, he's one of those guys that fills into that category of, you know, he was interesting a couple of years ago, but he wasn't quite interesting enough for everybody to, to get really into him or to follow his career uh, when he gets injured for a while, uh, like a Matt Shoemaker. But he is a good pitcher or has shown us the ability to be a good pitcher before. So 
um, the more positive matchups uh, he gets into, um, the better. Um, I, I, I know I don't think I sent this out, but um, is there any pitcher at all that you think might not be in a good situation? Doesn't necessarily have to be an underown pitcher, but you know, while you were looking up matchups, you thought, you know, ooh, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to pick that guy. I think he he might be in for for a rough day. Uh, yes, I did see some, and I might take a second here to find it. But uh, um, there's a guy I've, I've been high on for a while now, Anthony Bisclafini of the Reds. Um, but when I looked at his matchup against Atlanta, uh, I said, no way. Bisclafini is having his own troubles, but the Braves are hitting about 340 against against righties um, on the road. So I crossed him off my list pretty quick. Um, another one was uh, Brad Anderson of the A's. I've been high on him all year. But he's going up against uh, a, a pretty good hitting at the moment Mets team, so I decided to to bail on him. And there were more, but those are the ones I think of right away. And I start with a short list. I I go through all the matchups and I pick the guys I think are going to have a good game that are under fifty percent owned, and then I go and actually look at the numbers and I start crossing them off until I'm left with you know seven or eight to write about. And uh, so he didn't make the cut. But, uh, yeah, there was something that I wouldn't even know. Yeah, that all. Uh, I mentioned one earlier, actually. Uh, Hellickson in Colorado, where I would not do that, but I would do the one he has after that, which is – which is uh, I, forgot, I forgot the game game now, but um, I would definitely not start him in Colorado. The other one was uh, um, San Diego. Start, yeah. Here's something I'm actually a bit curious about. I don't know if they had necessarily the best matchups um, for this week, uh, but – the Minnesota Twins offense uh, has been off to a, a pretty good start. Um, Peacock and Miley, depending on ownership percentage, might have been available for that game. Uh, I know they have another series, obviously, uh, later in the week against Baltimore, against pitchers like Australia uh, and Cobb and Bundy. But, but as someone uh, who does streamers on a consistent basis, um, how do you feel about the Twins offense when it comes to streaming? Are, are they a team that you find more neutral uh, are you streaming? Are you streaming offense or pitchers rather against the Twins, or are they starting to become an offense that that you're leaning away from? Um, no, I would I would I would start against the Twins. Sure, I'm not. Um, I don't think they're a fearful lineup at the moment. They have Nelson Cruz now, which helps. But um, let's see if I have uh, any numbers here at all on them. Yeah, they, I don't end up recommending too often because they don't have bad splits against really anybody except for left-handers away. They're hitting yeah, about 200 I, against I left-handers away. What I've I've come to find with the team that uh, that I was uh, wondering about is if if someone else had seen the same is that it's becoming uh, difficult I think to to stream right-handers specifically uh, against Twins. This is a team that throws out quite a few. Uh, uh, lefties at, at the top of the lineup, and, and I think that can be something that can uh, be kind of hard for for a lot of these middling right-handed pitchers uh, to get through. But uh, uh, we're about to get into a a weekend series. We'll, we'll talk about uh, a little or wait weekday series rather. We'll talk about a little bit of the baseball uh, outside of the, the streaming pitchers that 
that will occur uh, during this week and, uh, before the Thursday show. But uh, before we get to that, I'd like to remind our audience that our partner, uh, Thrive Fantasy Sports, uh, Thrive Fantasy offers a different model uh, instead of daily fantasy salary uh, for the daily fantasy sports method, offering prop bets instead. Uh, you can go to thrivefantasy.com or majorleaguefantasysports.com and click on the link for Thrive Fantasy. Uh, if you enter the promo code MLFS, it will match your first $10. That's promo code MLFS. We are also seeking members for our 2019 football leagues. Uh, these are competitive leagues, so we look early and, and try to find the right uh, fits. You can email Corey D. Roberts at MajorLeagueFantasySports at gmail.com. That's MajorLeagueFantasySports at gmail.com. And finally, if you like the work we do here, either on the show or on the website, you can donate to our Patreon account by going to patreon.com slash sports. That's patreon.com slash sports. So, Joe, uh, going into some of these weekends, weekday series, excuse me, um, is, there, is there anything that sticks out for these weekday series or a- any series that sticks out uh, looking forward to the weekday? Yeah, I'm going to have to be a homer in this case. Um, I'm looking forward to the Angel series with the Yankees. Uh, it's the Yankees' first West Coast trip of the year. Um, the good news is, though, that they're supposed to get Gary Sanchez back on Wednesday, and I believe they're going to get Giancarlo Stanton back by the weekend when they go to San Francisco after L.A. Um, and I think the Yankees need a shot in the offensive arm badly right now. They're actually hitting pretty well. They're driving in runs. They're hitting homers, um, as they always do. And Clint Frazier has gotten on fire. Um, but they don't have the big guys, and they're missing all of them. Every single one of their big guys is out except for uh, Labor, Labor Torres. Um, and uh, hard to believe that Greg Burgess went on the disabled list, too. Um, nothing ever is ever not on the disabled list. But um, I like I like the Yanks' chances against both L.A. and San Francisco. Um, they're going to kill them with lefties. There are lots of lefties in both of those series. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll get a chance to see Paxton again. He's been lights out. Uh, Domingo German, though, is, is a Yankee pitcher who uh, we've always thought he was good, but all of a sudden he seems to be coming into his own now. And he's going to pitch for a while because uh, Severino might be gone two months. And we know that someone else will get hurt at some point also. Keep my fingers crossed it doesn't happen. But um, I like Sabathia. I've already said it on Wednesday against L.A. Uh, German's got him on Tuesday, Herman. And um, I, I like both of those series, to be honest with you. And even depleted, the Yankees' offense are still grinding out seven runs a game. It's amazing. And people at the beginning of the year, people were trying to get them to trade guys like like uh, Tyler Wade and uh, Clint Frazier to try to get another pitcher. And as it turned out, they needed those that depth in the hitting more than they needed the starting pitching. The starting, and I'm glad they didn't trade any of those guys. Now they're all playing. So that's going to be an interesting series, just not just for the new guys, but also for the guys coming back off the DL. See how they do. Yeah, it's been like uh, not the same so without Gary Sanchez. It's been so interesting to see them, uh, you know, try to hold on to this this debt that they had coming into the year. Uh, I remember when a lot of people were asking questions about, you know, why they were signing DJ LeMahieu, why they were signing Troy Tulowitzki. Uh, and now it seems almost like they didn't sign, you know, enough players. Um, and the only thing that's really keeping that from being 
uh, a strong impression is, is that we have players like you said, Clint Frazier, um, even Mike Tauschman, uh, you know, just really uh, proving uh, providing value uh, at a level that that wasn't necessarily uh, anticipated. You know, like uh, and and why they're losing games is uh, a lot of the reasons in, in today's game uh, where they have the five zero lead going in into the late innings and. It ends up being a you know a, a win, but one that took ten innings uh, and and a seven six game because of the bullpen's uh, inability to hold it, despite how much this team ha- has put into the bullpen. Um, but but today like you said, Chad starting Green. to get players I don't, know, back. I, don't know I don't know what's wrong with Chad Green, but today it was his turn to blow up. He's having a horrible year. He didn't have a great year last year either. He's one of those players that I thought was going to be another Dylan Batances. Have you uh have you heard anything uh on the Aaron Hicks timeline? Uh yeah. Um I was just reading about that today also. Uh he's starting to take uh batting practice. Um they still think he's a couple of weeks away though. And um a chance a chance it could last as long as the all star break, but they said probably a couple of weeks. I might have that open then, right uh, now here somewhere. And and then uh you also touched on Domingo Herman. Um, he's a player that, you know, I've been a little back and forth on in the past because um, I see his incredible talent, especially in his ability to, to miss bats. Um, but at the same time, he, he seems to have um, a, an inability to keep the ball from going into the air. Uh, he, he gives up a lot of fly balls. Um, and if you can keep those fly balls shallow, obviously that's not uh, a bad thing. It can actually be a, a fairly good thing. But he seems to also get hit hard on a fair amount of time. And, and when you combine, you know, hard hit balls with fly balls in Yankee Stadium, uh, that's that's the kind of thing that can, can lie, lead you to having some of the blow-up outings like Domingo uh, Domingo Herman has or has had um, to, to date in his career. Um, so what I would say, uh, at least though for this matchup, is that the Angels aren't that good or, or at least not one of the better lineups in baseball. Um, and then you also are leaving Yankee and going to L.A., um, which is a, a, a far superior ballpark uh, for pitchers. So um, any any pitching matchup that you get this week, uh, whether it be a streamer, whether it be DFS, um, I like the, the, the chance that this uh, ballpark difference between uh, Yankee and Angel Stadium uh, will be a little understated. And, and these Yankee pitchers, I believe, will, will probably have a, a a pretty good series here. I agree. And there's there's one other Yankee player that uh, people kind of wrote off this year, um, who's who's come on really strong lately since the injuries, and that's Brett Brett Gardner. People were laughing when the Yankees gave him five million dollars to play this year, and I thought it was great. I never once thought that was a bad move. Um, I knew he wouldn't get any, in anybody's way. And if anything, he's uh, saving their butts right now. He can play center or left. He does both well. He's been doing them in Yankee Stadium forever. Um, I think he's indispensable, to be honest. But, but yeah, he doesn't put up great fantasy numbers. But as, as a real-life player, he's I think he's indispensable for that team. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, German, or Hermann, um, he's going to be a big strikeout guy. But you're right, if he doesn't start like, getting balled down in the zone, he's going to get killed at Yankee Stadium. Um Especially with the short porch. Uh, 
Uh, speaking of getting killed, uh, I don't know. I I, I didn't <laughs> believe I heard you mention uh, him, but uh, Matt Matt Harvey um, is, is that someone that maybe not now, but at some point in this season you you were looking at as a streamer. Uh, do, do you think there's any outlook there whatsoever that that can be gleaned positive? All right, here's what happens to me. I love power pitchers. I love the guys who can, you know, knock, knock, strike out as many guys as possible and uh, just seem very durable. They look big and durable. Roger Clemens was a good example of what I would consider a power pitcher. And I thought Harvey was going to be that. He looked like, sure looked like he was going to be. Um, then he had his injuries and his personal problems. And um, now we don't know what we're getting. And he could be another – I, he always had more talent than Homer Bailey, but he's going to be another Homer Bailey type where – Every year I watch him, and every year I wait for him to come back, and who knows if he ever will. I really don't know. I have no idea. And I, I used him. I spot-started him last year. I spot-started him. I tried to spot-start him this year, but he was already gone. And um, I was really uh, optimistic, but no, he has not found it yet. And I, I don't want to predict him because he, he could be another Bailey. He could be another Aaron Harang. Um, Harang was a guy who did that to me for years, Eric Bedard. And you know, two or three great seasons at the beginning of their career where they were lights out and then all of a sudden spend the next 10 years trying to find themselves again. And I, I, I don't know if Matt Harvey ever will or not, to be honest with you. I hope so. Yeah, that's, um, that's more or less the way I see it, too. Um, and then for myself, uh, I took a look at the Minnesota uh, series against the, the Houston Astros. I, I believe the series is in Houston. I think there's a couple interesting things here. We'll, we'll talk for, or I'll, I'll mention first um, the guys in the starting rotation, right? Um, you got Brad Peacock. Um, he's been moved back and forth, but I do believe he's currently uh, scheduled to, to be the starter on Monday. He, he's a very interesting guy in his ability to generate swings and misses and his ability to use his fastball and, and, and slider. Um, you know, and, and I think he has a chance in this matchup uh, of getting strikeouts, uh, even though, as I'll get to in a, in a bit, or, or as I already mentioned as well, uh, this Minnesota lineup is, is starting to scare me a little bit for righties. Um, though that fact is why I, I'm a little bit more interested in Wade Miley, not necessarily a guy who's going to get you strikeouts. Um, I don't know what kind of ownership percentages or, or DFS situations you might be in. Uh, in regards to Wade Miley, but you know, other than Nelson Cruz, I think a lot of the hitters that I look towards, especially that they stack at the top of the lineups on most days for for the Twins, uh, are lefties. Kepler's a lefty, Rosario's a lefty, uh, and then Jorge Polanco, while he is a switch hitter, uh, has historically been quite a bit better from the left side, uh, or at least was last year. So uh, he he's better facing right-handed pitchers than he is facing left-handed pitchers. Um, so I think lefties have a, a little bit of a better chance. Um, and then obviously not a, a situation of thinking about sitting him anywhere, but just a guy I, I love to watch pitch in general. You have uh, Justin Verlander against the Minnesota Twins. So so that will be obviously a, a game worth watching, I think. Verlander is one of those pitchers that, that, that any time he's out there, for the most part, he's, he's worth watching. Uh, on the Twins side of things, uh, my sheet right now only has uh, two confirmed starters for this series, uh, and those two being Odorizzi and Michael Pineda. Uh, Odorizzi, I think, had a, a pretty strong first start, 
and then a pretty bad second start. Um, and I think, you know, as is the case with a lot of these things, the, the truth is somewhere in the middle. I think he's a I think he's a decent starter. I think he's playable in certain matchups. I think he has a chance of having an okay start here just because he's a, a righty and a pretty solid righty. And, and while the Houston Astros have a, have a very good lineup, they also have a good number of their hitters being right-handed. They have Jose Altuve, George Springer, uh, Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman, all hitting on the right-handed side. So you do have a, a little bit of an advantage uh, as a righty, you know, uh, Houston Astros lineup is a one. It, it's more the case of if I'm going to start someone against Houston, it's definitely not going to be a lefty. It might be a righty, but it definitely wouldn't be a lefty. So at least Odorizzi has that going for him. Uh, and then Michael Pineda, you know, he's a guy who who has always been killed uh, when he leaves the ball in the zone. And that's the thing is is I think he he gives us this illusion that he can be better than he is because – he gets the strikeouts and he limits the walks, but it just seems that hitters have a way of seeing his pitches uh, and of hitting him hard when he leaves the uh, or when he leaves the ball in the strike zone. Rather, so um, when it comes to that Tuesday start, I actually think I, I'm looking to stream um, stream hitters against Michael Pineda um, in, in the case of like a, a DFS type game. You know, if I'm playing something like that to where I can choose uh some hitters I, I think astros against uh michael pineda is a pretty strong one and if you have any astros on your team in a daily in a daily league you know in a daily year-long league that that are in between playing and not playing um i think that would be a, a good day to make sure that all your astros are are in your lineup um going on to the hitting side of things you know we know a lot about the houston astros I'll spend my time talking mostly about these twins, even though I think I have a little bit throughout some of these shows, you know. Um, I think this is an offense that has a sneaky ability to carry these twins to even the AL Central title, you know. Um, I think there's only one real team you're competing with, and that's the Indians. And I think the Indians have some trouble on offense. I think the Indians also have some trouble in the bullpen. I think the Indians really have two really good players on offense, and a really strong rotation, but, you know, a rotation that, especially missing Clevenger, might be, you know, lacking a, a, a little bit of depth. Um, you know, when you throw a right-handed pitcher out there, you have to deal with Kepler first, and, and Kepler's a, a, not a great hitter, but a very solid hitter, someone who's uh, entering his prime as a hitter, it seems, uh, more or less. He, he's a late bloomer uh, who didn't get into the game in, until late, so... Uh, he's someone that you can expect to continue to have a potential late breakout. Um, then you get uh, Jorge Polanco, usually batting second. Polanco, uh, I believe, is, is a potential for one of the biggest breakout players of this season. I think he has uh, a really solid ability to square up and hit fastballs really hard. Um, I also think he has a very strong eye and a very strong actual contact ability. Um, he's 25 years old now. Um He'll be turning 26 sometime throughout this season, uh, which makes him still fairly young. Um, so I, I think as we get forward or move forward, I think there's a chance that, that Jorge Blanco is someone who uh, continues to prove himself and continues to, to move up people's, people's lists in respect. I think that the ceiling here isn't you know, just like a top 100 player. I actually think that the ceiling is a little bit higher. 
uh, I think there's power here that pe- people don't necessarily uh, respect. And then after that, you have Nelson Cruz and Eddie Rosario, who are, who are pretty solitary. You know, Cruz obviously getting up there in age, but still seems to possess uh, the ability to hit 30 home runs a year, still seems to have a, a decent ability to hit the ball in general uh, overall. You know, and as long as he stays healthy, uh, he seems to be the kind of guy who will at least be able to play uh, until that Ortiz age, which, uh, you know, is only another year or two, but I think he can still put it all together this year and, and have some pretty pretty decent stats doing it. Uh, Eddie Rosario can be a little hot and cold, but right now he's red hot. Uh, been hitting a lot of home runs for the Twins as they uh, score a lot of runs. And then they have some, uh, on the low-key end, they have some really interesting catchers. Now, one of them might not be super low-key. I know a lot of people are getting into the uh, the intriguing weirdness that is Williams Astudillo. Um, but, you know, he, he's this catcher who plays all over the diamond, um, is, you know, I believe nicknamed something around the turtle um, and, and has this just preternatural bat-to-ball ability um, that we see that uh, is so, so rare. And he, he, just, he just has the ability to never strike out uh, that's so rare. Uh, he's, had, he's had a really strong start to the season, um, and then quietly behind him, Mitch Garver. Um, you know, I didn't expect this. I don't know whether it has a co- potential to continue to any extent, but Mitch Garver is absolutely making the most of all the playing time he can get. Um, he, he continues to, to hit home runs and, and to mash the ball. So, you know, there's there's a very interesting, I think, collection of talent here with the Twins, and uh, it, it's an offense that that I'm – watching quite a bit of and seeing if I think they can, you know, take this team to the next step and, uh, and challenge the uh, Cleveland Indians. So uh, do you have anything to uh, to add to that series, Joe, before we uh, get out of here? Well, as far as the uh, the twins go, I, I like Mitch Garver a lot. Um, another article that I do on, in the spring training usually is, is my uh, catchers, I do the catcher um, ADP gems and also rank the catchers and, I was high on Garver on both of those articles as well, and as soon as um, as soon as I lost Gary Sanchez to injury, I, and I had Sanchez on all three of my teams, as soon as I lost him to injury, I picked up Mitch Garver in all three leagues, and and I haven't missed a beat. In fact, I'm probably doing better than I would have if I didn't have uh, if I did have Sanchez in there still. Um, I I imagine he'll get more playing time than Estadio if if uh, if for no other reason that Estadio can play other positions too, so he you know they might be less apt to want to start him, but. Um, I I agree with you though that he's more of a novelty I think than, uh, than anything. He reminds me of uh, Pablo Sandoval. <laughs> I forgot what his nickname was, but it probably was something like a turtle. Um, but yeah, I, I, as far as the rest of the Twins' offense, you ran, you rang it off pretty good. I'm I'm excited about Byron Buxton. Uh, he finally seems to be not maybe not putting it together, but he's finally getting somewhere. And um, I think you said he's 25, right? Uh, oh, in terms of age, yeah, I think he's uh, somewhere right around there. Um, you know, he's, I, he's I still think got a ways to go before he hits his prime yet. Yeah, I think what I really like about uh, the end, and he is 25 um, as of December. Um, but what I really like about the Twins in, in the back end of the lineup is that you have guys like Scope and guys like Byron Buxton, 
And, you know, so far this year that they've lived up to, to this reputation that they might not be the most consistent hitters, but they are hitters that are capable of having explosive performances. And that's why I really like, you know, putting a lot of emphasis on, on this top, top four, top five uh, of the Twins because I, I think if this top four, top five could continue to be uh, what it has been to start the season and, and, and give a little bit more consistency to this offense than we were expecting, it gives them the ability to, you know, score some runs on the bad days and really take advantage when they have those explosive performances uh, by their guys like, like, like Scope and Buxton. But, but yeah, Buxton's 25 uh, years old, Joe. Thanks. And then anything else uh, on either Buxton or the Twins or, or that series in general? No, that's it for that series that I had. Did you did you have any other series that you wanted to, to discuss? Well, there's one, one that I'm uh, interested in only from a pitching standpoint, and that's the uh, Seattle-Texas series. It's uh, on the, the middle of the week there. Um, hold on one second. I, I just had it up, but I can't get back. There we go. Um, there's interesting stories on both sides of this. Um, first with the Mariners, um, we get to see Kikuchi. I haven't seen Kikuchi pitch yet, so maybe I'll, I'll get to watch one of those games. Um, you got guys like Mike Leake who have been around forever and will never be rostered, but they seem to be durable and uh, find their way into spot starts um, that are favorable all the time. And that is one right there. Um, I, already, I already talked about the guy Swanson, who's got two starts next week. Um, and this... This uh, series is actually at the end of the week. It's uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Well, actually, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Marco Gonzalez gets the first start, and he's become their ace, basically, um, if by default. Um, on the on the uh, Texas side of the ball, um, also interesting. I, I, I talked about Lance Lynn already. Um, Mike Miner's another reclamation project who's, who's do, doing pretty good. Shelby Miller's there. He hasn't turned it around yet, but I, I have high hopes for him, too. I have, I have for a few years, though. Um, but there's another guy who I wrote about today and I didn't mention yet. His name is Adrian Sampson, and he's the pitcher for the for the uh, Texas Rangers against the Mariners on Thursday. Um, if you want to pick up a um, if you want to pick up a player that no one in your league ever heard of, uh, pick up Adrian Sampson this week. He's not a power pitcher. He's not going to you know give you a ten strikeouts or anything. But he's four percent owned in Fantrax, so I doubt anyone's going to hear of him. Um, unless they, you know, study minor leaguers or know the, know the Rangers. Um, he's 27 years old, though. He's been around for a while. He's only had 10, uh, 10 major league games, though, spread over the last three years. Um, so he's another late bloomer. But he's got a great matchup against the Mariners. And um, he's a control pitcher, so he's going to keep the ball on the ground, and he's not going to walk a lot of guys. He doesn't walk a lot of guys. Um, and I, I think uh, – and he's given up a few home runs this year, but if you look at his minor league record, he, he hardly gave up any homers or walks pretty much every year. And Seattle's hitting 277 Woba against righties at home, so that's another one of those perfect matchups. And again, it's more about the matchup than the pitcher, but 4% owned. If you're if you're at the point where you're in a deep league and, and uh, he's the only guy left out there, grab him. He's going to probably have as good a chance as anybody. He's going to be a good game. I didn't look at the yeah, offense of either team too much, but... What's up? The Seattle offense got off to such, you know, that red-hot start, but they have normalized a little bit. They have settled down a little bit. I'm not saying they've been, you know, bad necessarily. They haven't been even uh, as bad as 
I thought they would be uh, coming into the season. Um, but they do seem to be a team that you don't have to be um, necessarily uh, afraid of streaming against. Um, and, and Joe mentioned his article. Uh, if you are interested in reading that, uh, you can go to MajorLeagueFantasySports.com and, and find uh, Joe's streamers uh, article. Uh, uh, Joe, uh, it's been great having you on the show. Um, I, I would like to give you the opportunity to, uh, you know, give any closing thoughts if you want, either uh, on subjects we've had or, or just, just anything at all that, that you'd like to, to close the show out on. Well, I think I'm not saying anything that no one else is, is suffering from, but I, I think we need a break from injuries. Um, there's just way too many all of a sudden. Um, I have teams where I have more injured players than I have roster spots. Um, you know, I can't, I can't keep them in my starting lineup, so I have to have enough bench spots and, and DL spots for them. So I'm starting to think about who I'm going to drop. Which, which one of these injured guys am I going to give up on, knowing that they'll get scooped up within a minute? And uh, I, you know, part of it's my own fault because I, I own a lot of Yankees, and they're they're just half their roster is hurt, I believe. Um, and it's, it's all the big names too. You got Judge, you got Stanton, you got Andahar, um, and the little guys like Tulowitzki and uh, Bird. Bird's always there. Um, but there was I don't know if you if you heard the big huge sigh in New York this weekend, but the Mets, every Met fan on earth sighed on Sunday. And they had two big scares. They, they had their big uh, expensive second baseman, Cano, get hit by a pitch. And they thought he might have broken something, but he had x-rays which were negative, so he'll probably just miss a few days. And uh, the golden boy, Jake DeGrom, um, had a tweak in his elbow and went for MRIs and all. And he's already starting to th- uh, throw uh, the last two days. So he's, he, the last two days he's thrown from flat ground. And they think he'll only miss a start maybe. But if those two guys went down, the Mets could have kissed their season goodbye. That big noise yeah, actually, was just that whoosh from LFM. It's weird. I don't know if you heard any different, but I actually heard that they uh, did not have an MRI for Jacob Degrom. That they decided that they didn't need it, which was you're, you're uh, right. You're right. You're obviously, kind of a weird thing. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it's been great having you today, Joe. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you next time. Uh, next time on the show, and, and thanks for joining me. Thank you. You too. Have a good good night. All right. I've been uh, Cole Cole Friel. This is the Major League Fantasy Baseball Radio Show on Block Talk Network. Um, Brian Roach will be back as your normal Sunday host next week, but I will also be covering the Thursday show with uh, Kyle Moray this Thursday. So, uh, if you're looking for or some streamers for the weekend uh, and maybe to look back on some performances, you can uh, tune into that Thursday show. Um, but uh, until then, I'll, I'll see you guys.